Uh, playoffs? What are talking about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hey! Hey! I, hey! Quit calling the f- plays, all right? Hey, we got to run the ball. ball. We'll run the ball. Can we run it down We'll run the ball. I truly have enjoyed being your quarterback. All right, welcome back to another episode of Indiana Legends. I am John Ashworth, and I am co-hosted here with Kevin. Kevin, good morning. How's it going? Good morning, John. That was a great little twist on the intro. I like that. Oh yeah, you were uh, you were you were throwing a little uh, clip that we use on the fan morning show there with Peyton Jeff Saturday getting getting into it. One of my all time favorite um, things in sports is when they show you like the behind the scenes, the the real conversations, the real arguments, and and that's always one of my favorites is that Jeff Saturday, <laughs> Peyton Manning argument. It's got to be one of the best. Oh, that is priceless. It's funny. I, uh, I, I'm a sucker for like the NFL film stuff, you know, the behind the scenes. I don't know if you saw on Sunday night, obviously as a coach, you probably loved that DK Metcalf. Play. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Uh, and then Buda Baker was actually mic'd up oh. and hearing, hearing his reaction on the sidelines <laughs> after that play was just priceless. The stuff that I always feel like the NFL has done a great job. NFL films is such a big production and, uh, you know, Peyton what, loves it. He loves the history of the game. So uh, seeing all the mic'd up stuff with him on the sidelines throughout his entire career is is, is really cool. Absolutely. Um, and if you couldn't guess by the intro, uh, today's episode, we are going to be breaking down the Manning years. Um, and I'll be, I'll, I'll admit this, you know, I didn't appreciate Peyton Manning as much as I should have during his Colts career. And I think it's one of those things you become accustomed to winning the, the success every year. And it's almost like you begin to expect it. You think it's normal. Um, you think it's easy. And I think if you look around the league, I mean, you can look at 90% of the franchises in the NFL over the past couple decades. And they know what losing's like. They they understand the agony of not having a quarterback, and you know how hard that is for a franchise. So um, again, I, I've taken that for granted. Um, just how important a quarterback is to your franchise and even to your city. Um, so again, we're going to look at the Manning years. I think that's a great point. I, I, it's funny that you say that now. I remember you and I, you know, about whatever six, eight years ago having those yep. conversations and, <laughs> and you were, yeah, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, you were, you were team Tom and, and maybe yeah. still team Tom and, and probably again, just didn't appreciate Peyton, which we don't need to get into a Tom Payton debate, but oh, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, that's spot on though. What he, what that position means, it, it's the most important position in sports. Yeah, The NFL absolutely. is king. Um, what that position not only means to your football team, but means to your city. It's why we, you know, hopefully we'll have all these great events continue to come to our city and why Lucas Oil is where it is and, and arguably why the Colts are still in, in, in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. I think that is even a fair statement to make. So, uh, you know, when Peyton was drafted, what, you know, you were 10, I was nine years old, yeah. I guess. I mean, we, we both were so, you know, young and immature in many ways, but certainly as sports fans and – I just think as a market, we are a bit numb to, 
how great of a player he was. Yeah. And now that the Colts are in this quarterback purgatory <laughs> that they're currently in, you know, now you're starting to have the true appreciation that, that, that we should have had, you know, even in those 2000 years when they produced the greatest, you know, uh, decade in NFL history, the most yeah. wins ever from 2000 to 2009. And that's how we kind of want to break down this episode. Um, and this is by Kevin's suggestion. And I, I thought this was a great idea. If we did a full episode on Peyton Manning, it's going to take three hours to go through his career, <laughs> his stats, his great games. So we wanted to break this up into two episodes. So part one is going to cover draft 1998 into 2005 so we kind of consider that the pre-super bowl era and then episode two you'll have to come back for will be all the really really good things and emotional things that'll be you know super bowl 2006 through the end of his Colts career yeah i I think that's the smartest way to go about it um you know peyton's career here in indianapolis some great individual seasons that we'll talk about today but it was that kind of looming playoff hurdle that you know they really weren't able to get over 2003 was probably the best playoff run they had in the years that we'll talk about today um and then in the back end some still some decent individual seasons but a little bit more of uh you know playoff success with going to two super bowls obviously one in 2006 and everything and you know i i i just find it really cool just to, to look back on the early years and see the development of a young quarterback as now we're watching a joe burrow or a justin herbert or you know, now Tua getting the start. Um, it's not this just straight linear line. There are some ups and downs that, that I think we forget about those early paid years that we'll talk about today. All right, sorry. Um, so the, the best way we're going to break this down, I think, is to do kind of a timeline. So we're going to break down each year. Um, we're going to look at the good, the bad, um, you know, how the season ended, some of the key moments, some of the key games. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's start with the draft. Let's start with, um, if I look correctly, he was runner up in the Heisman trophy to Charles Woodson in what was this? 97, uh, 98 season. Um, and many draft experts kind of put Manning up against Ryan Leaf. This was like the key kind of who's going to go number one overall. Um, you know, and one of the funny stories about, um, you know, Polian having to make this decision, I, I think he, he knew he wanted to go with Manning, but the thing that stood out was Ryan Leaf showed up late to the Colts meeting. Manning shows up early and he leaves with this thought. He says, if you take me, I promise you'll win a championship. If you don't, I promise I'm going to come back and I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> so that's always a great <laughs> quote that, you know, Polian pulls out that was like, okay, we're sold on this Manning guy. We're going to draft him. And, you know, Kevin has a really good story too about, um, I don't know, how, how did this even play out? How did the Colts even get to this point? You know, first, John, I got to mention that Heisman Trophy, um, <clears throat> those finalists, that year, uh, you obviously had Woodson win it, like you said, Manning, runner-up. I think Woodson won it pretty convincingly. Uh, Ryan Leaf, obviously a finalist. And then Randy Moss. So, I mean, you think back to, uh, you know, three of those four just unbelievable talents. I think Ricky Williams is a little bit behind that. But that was a pretty good year for uh, for college football across multiple positions. Um, but, yeah, the Colts getting that number one overall pick, 
again, something that we probably don't think about very often. So at the end of the 97 season, um, I think the Colts finished the year 3-13. and 13, And I think going to the last week of the season, um, the Cardinals were also with three wins. And if they would have finished tied with the Colts, they would have gotten the number one overall pick. Um, and the Cardinals were down, if I'm not mistaken, they were down like 26-14, or it was definitely a two-score, two-touchdown deficit, uh, like midway through the fourth quarter in a meaningless game. You know you, you know how those Week 17 yeah. games are. They, oh, yeah. Oh, boy, we're going to put – I mean, I remember Colts and Jaguars back in 2011 when they were going for the number one – well, they weren't going for it, but, you know, it was number one overall pick on the line before the Andrew Luck draft. And, you know, you're the Sunday 1 o'clock game, no playoff you know, stakes on the line, blah, blah, blah. Just no one cares. You know, maybe fantasy, if people are crazy enough to have a Week 17 fantasy championship or something like that. But um, here are the Cardinals with Jake Plummer leading a final-minute drive to come back and win. So they get their fourth win of the season. Um, Final minute, you know, I'm talking like crazy drama. Again, down 12. They had to score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And the Colts were also in a somewhat close game with the Vikings. The Vikings ended up winning that game. But it's just absurd to think how the two franchises shift so much with what on paper, outside of those guys really playing and essentially coaches, you know, playing for the job, just how meaningless of a game. Yeah. Like, you know, if it comes down to Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf, like, of course you're going <laughs> to lose that game. But yet the Cardinals obviously are playing to win with those guys that they have on their team at the time. And, uh, the Colts won late that that season a couple times, week 15 and 16, they they won. So uh, they it, it kind of got a little close there at the end, but they were still able to get that number one overall pick and, and probably the most important draft since, and we talked about this on our earlier Colts pod, probably since that Elway-Marino draft, um, considering what everybody thought of Manning and, of course, a little bit of Leaf as well coming out. Yeah, and again – Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's so crazy to look back at Ryan Leaf's career and Peyton Manning's career and go, these guys were one A, one B, and just how different, you know, the course of the NFL are. You know, if we draft Ryan Leaf, I mean, oh my gosh, it's like a bizarro world. You know, it's like <laughs> it's I mean, like, if you draft knows? Ryan Leaf. The L.A. Colts, it's uh, yeah. London Colts. It's, I mean, seriously, I, I I know that might sound a bit hyperbole to say, but I I, I really believe that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's to think, yeah, like you said, hindsight is the greatest vision in the world, but still, it's hard to think that it was really that close. And then hearing that Manning quote that you rattled off Napoleon, boy, um, that would get the uh, get the hair on the back of your neck to stand up. All right, let's let's go ahead. Let's move on to his rookie year. So obviously, the Colts make the the best decision of their franchise's history. They draft Peyton Manning first overall, and not he doesn't have immediate success. The Colts still go three and thirteen this year. Um, some of the good um, in his his debut, Manning goes twenty one for thirty seven for three hundred passing yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Uh, he did set the rookie record for interceptions that year, um, but still holds it to uh, <laughs> to uh, today. Um, he's his, always saying like 
these rookie quarterbacks, they never start all 16 games. So I'm going to hold that record forever and whatnot. And you know he's cheering for Joe Burrow to throw <laughs> yeah. more picks than he did back in 98. Um, he threw his first career touchdown, a six-yard pass. Can you guess who he threw his first touchdown pass to? Oh, boy. I, I, I would guess Marvin. Um, yeah. Correct. I guess Marvin. Marvin Harrison caught a six-yard pass in his first game. Um, now the Colts start, let's see, 0-4, and, and Manning picks up his first win against, ironically, fellow rookie Ryan Leaf, 17-12, to <laughs> over the San Diego Chargers in Week 5. So again, um, I think the silver lining from this year is that the Colts lost a lot of close games. So they had five games this year where they had a double-digit lead at some point and still finished 3-13. and So, you know, you can kind of say there's a silver lining and there's at least some talent or some upside going into the next year. Yeah, you know, 3-13 and start, obviously less than ideal. Um but what I loved about how the Colts handled Peyton was, like, they didn't handle him with kid gloves. You know, this is a guy that started four years in the SEC. You know, I, I think one of the big question marks of coming out was, you know, he, he never beat Florida during his time at Tennessee. And that was kind of always, man, the biggest game, you know, not beating your rival and whatnot. But you get a – even 25 years ago or however long ago this was, you get a guy that's starting – four years in the SEC, throw him into the fire. This is something that really pisses me off, honestly, about today's NFL. Like, I want to see these guys yeah. start from day one and just learn. And if you go 3-13, and 13, that's fine. Yeah. So you're going to get a top five pick next year. And obviously the Colts cashed in on that, which we can talk talk about here in a little bit. But, um, you know, they, they, they had a they had a, a left tackle with him, Tart Glenn, you know, was drafted a couple years earlier. You mentioned Marvin as well. I mean, those are some key assets at two really important positions that I think helped his development early on. Um, I'll never forget, you know, his quarterback's coach that rookie season was Bruce Arians. Oh, really? And, yeah, uh-huh. and, and, and Bruce tells a great story about how, you know, there were times throughout a game where Peyton would come to the sidelines and pout, head down, this and that, and, you know, Bruce blunt just as blunt can be just looks at him and says you're not coming out kid you're going back in there like the, you you baptism by fire like yeah. you've got to learn how to handle adversity within a game bounce back learn from your mistakes and I think that that tough coaching really helped him um early in that in that rookie season and I know Howard Mudd uh the longtime offensive line coach in Indianapolis was really keen on just okay we got to protect the franchise this and that um, which, you know, I think was, it was a key thing as well, knowing, you know, how statue-like Manning was from a mobility standpoint. But, um, but yeah, again, learning, you know, hands-on learning is the best learning, not holding the clipboard for Kelly Holcomb or whoever his backup <laughs> yeah. was during that rookie season. Yeah, and now that you say that, I think that's a great point of, I think today the coaches, they handle these quarterbacks with velvet gloves. I mean, they are so – just, I don't want to hurt his confidence. I don't want to, you know, we don't want to get him banged up. We want him to learn. And uh, it could be the opposite. You know, you kind of want your guy to go in there and learn on the fly and have to deal with some adversity. And I'm sure it, it helped Peyton Manning to go through that adversity his rookie year. So I, I think that's a great point. Yeah. And, and again, I just think when you have this development of, and, and certainly there are other quarterbacks you can point to that have sat and have had great success. 
Patrick Mahomes sat. You know, Aaron Rodgers sat. Um, but still, I think just getting them into that fire right away, especially with kind of how different, you know, college systems are nowadays, um, it's critical. So worked out great for Peyton. And even though the Colts had to endure, you know, an awful season from a win-loss standpoint, uh, didn't take too long to get it back on track. Yeah. All right, and, and like you said, got it back on track. The next year, 1999, the Colts totally flip their record. They go from 3-13 and 13 to 13-3, and three. and I, I think it might still stand as an NFL record in, in terms of flipping you know, how many wins compared to the previous year. Ten more wins than the previous year. Um, in this season, I mean, just, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 all you. Um, you know, a key stat from this, um, six different four, fourth quarter comebacks, seven game-winning drives by Peyton Manning, and the Colts rattle off 11 wins of their last 12 games this year. So, again, really, really starting to turn the corner. Yeah, I think something that, that you pointed out in the 98 season that stands out to me is just is that, you know, the, the, the different fourth quarter comebacks, game-winning drives, you know, you lost so many close games in that rookie year. But now, you know, parity to me is something that I just think defines the NFL so much. I mean, every single game seemingly is a one-possession game at some point. And when you're the juggernaut that Tennessee was in college, you know, you don't, you don't, just, you don't feel that. You know, when you're playing a non-conference schedule in the SEC, yeah. you maybe have one big game. The other three are not very big. You're in the East, you got Vanderbilt, you know, and nowadays you have Missouri and South Carolina isn't, isn't that great of a team. It's just like, yes, there's still a handful of games that are really big and they are close and whatnot, but still it doesn't, you know, compare to what you have in the NFL on a weekend, week out basis. Obviously the drafting of Edron James was massive and was another great pick by Bill Polian, you know, the debate about edge or Ricky Williams, um, you know, to this day, you know, Edrin will point to this, that the big game that all of a sudden rocketed him up draft boards was actually a postponed game that Miami was supposed to play against UCLA due to a hurricane. So they were supposed to play them like early September uh, of Edrin's last year in college and got pushed all the way back to the last game of the season in December. So now, you know, when no one's playing, Miami and UCLA are national television and all eyes are on it, and Edge, you know, rips off a huge game, and that kind of put him on the map to be more of a legit option, you know, alongside Ricky Williams in that top five. So, you know, again, what the Colts had around Peyton, I mean, you got a Hall of Fame running back, Edge had a great start to his career, and then a Hall of Fame wideout, and then a left tackle that, you know, was very solid throughout his career. I mean, that's kind of the ideal, making sure that there's enough around Peyton um, and it was a huge reason why, obviously, they were able to go 13-3. Yeah, the pieces are now there for some extended success. Um, now, the only bad I had from this year, and it's not even really a bad, the Colts make it to the playoffs. Uh, they lose the divisional round to the Tennessee Titans, 16-9. to or Sorry, 16-19. to um, Manning kind of struggles. He finishes 19-42 of 42 for 227 yards. Um, and this is the Titans team that goes on to play the Rams in the Super Bowl. You know, that famous play, uh, the reach out, you know, trying to reach mm. the, uh, the, the uh, mm. goal line, getting stopped. Uh, so it's not like this was a bad team. 
Uh, you know, the Colts may have been favored to win this game, but it wasn't seen as a, a terrible loss. Yeah, I think the most frustrating aspect now I've heard Bill Pulling talk about this is how many Titans fans were inside of the RCA Dome for that game because if I'm not, and I would have to look this up, it probably was one of, if not the first um, home playoff games in Indianapolis Colts history. You know, this yep. is not a franchise that had had many uh, successful seasons, and we you know, didn't really touch on maybe the early – Indianapolis Colts years when we went over the Baltimore era. And I guess how I think about going back to that Arizona Cardinals thing, John, it makes me think of when we did the Baltimore podcast about, you know, Arizona was a team that, or was a city that um, Robert Ursay was thinking about moving the Colts to. So not only did the Colts, you know, spurn Phoenix, you know, back in 1984, but then 15 years later, they also get the number one overall pick to them. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually looking this up right now. Yeah, it was the first home playoff game in Indianapolis Colts history. When they went on that run in 95, those were all road games with uh, with Harbaugh. So, um, tons of Titans fans in the building. And just going 13-3, and three, that was so foreign. Again, we, we have this, like, this construed, I think, concept of what was normal for the Colts. But I don't believe they had won a double-digit game in, you know, since the 70s. Yeah or uh, double-digit win season since the 70s. Uh, so going 13-3 and three was really rare. But I don't have a lot of huge memories from that playoff game. I just remember, again, a lot of Titans fans and Eddie George having a big game. Yeah, and it, again, Peyton's, what, second year in the league? He's already in the playoffs. So you, you start to see a foundation. Um, the expectations are changing. You're no longer considered a losing franchise. Um, you know, and, and to lose to a team that goes to the Super Bowl, um, you know, not that de- not that bad. So again, I'm sure Ursay was not happy about all the fans. And for some reason, Colts playoff games they always have a lot of the opposing fans. I, I'm not sure what that is, but uh, we will get back to that. Um, let's go ahead. Let's move on to 2000. So. The Colts come back. Peyton has a great year. Um, he throws for th- 33 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, um, over 4,400 passing yards. So, again, I, again, I don't want to get too much into the stats, but has a heck of a year. Um, the key win here in 2000, the Colts go on Monday night football. They're finally featured on one of these, you know, big nights of football, and they blow out the Jaguars. They beat the Jaguars 43-14. to Manning throws for 430 yards and four touchdowns. Boom. He's on the map. The Colts are on the map now. What do you remember about this season? Yeah, I don't have a lot of vivid memories. You know, 10 and 6, obviously, is in 13 and 3. Um, and they weren't able to win the division. So, if I'm not mistaken, they were on the road for that first yes. playoff game. Yeah, wild card. They play the Dolphins. Um, And and I hate to say this, but this is where I think kind of the criticism of Manning starts in terms of the criticism of him not being able to, you know, be successful in the playoffs. They go down, they play the Dolphins. They're up 14 to nothing at halftime. And then the second half is a complete turnaround. They only score three points. Peyton kind of struggles in the second half, and the Colts go on to lose. 17-23 17-23 to 23 to the Dolphins. And that seed Man. is kind of planted that, ah, can this guy get it done? I forgot they were up 14-0. Um, 
boy, that's that's not good. Yeah, and you know this is year three, and you know to a lot of people, year three again, it's so early, this and that. And then you look at the Andrew Luck era, and it was you know the three eleven and five seasons to start his career, and it was one step forward every year. It was getting the playoffs in two thousand twelve, his rookie year, lose. 2013, win a home playoff game. It's a crazy comeback against Kansas City. 2014, you win at home against Cincinnati, and then you go on the road and beat Denver and beat Peyton, actually, in the divisional round and then go to the AFC title game. So it is kind of crazy to think, you know, when you look at the Manning era to the Luck era, which obviously Manning, you know, ends up just obliterating Andrew from a, you know, record playoff success standpoint, and the retirement had a decent amount to do with it. But, you know, early on, it was, wow, you know, no playoff wins in these first three years. We'll kind of see this trend continue of, yeah, more of the January elephant in the room. Manning's individual numbers in these playoff games aren't great either. It's not like the Colts are losing shootouts. You know, what was it? Yeah. 1916, I think it was the first game you said, and then 23-17 this game. And, yeah, that era didn't have a whole lot of high scoring, but still Manning wasn't putting up anywhere near the sort of numbers he was doing during the regular season. Yeah, it... It's interesting how the, the NFL's shifted, too. I mean, back then, you think of kind of the Patriots, the Steelers, the, the defensive-built teams were the teams that had success. And, and so people were questioning, can you build a franchise around a quarterback who throws a lot? I think that was kind of a question that was, was coming out of the early 2000s. Would we go build a defense, or would, would we build around Peyton? Um, and questions start to rise in 2001, the next year, because the Colts kind of take a step back. Uh, Peyton, Peyton honestly struggles this year. He goes 26 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. Um, the Colts do, they do start 2-0 and on the season. Um, and this is largely due, people think, you know, it's because the Colts came out in this no-huddle offense. It was the first time Peyton and the Colts came out you know, quick, hurry up, get to the line, call plays, and they just destroy the New York Jets in week one. They beat the Jets 45-24. to 24. So things look good. Things turn really bad in week three. The Colts go and visit New England. And this is the first meeting between Peyton and Tom Brady. The Colts get blown out 44-13. to 13. And that's when things go downhill. Colts lose seven of their next nine games, including a home loss to the 49ers in week 11, 40 to 21 home loss, ugly. And Peyton Manning throws four interceptions that game. And the Colts are now four and six, four and six on the season. And this is the famous Jim Mora uh, post-game interview <laughs> playoffs don't talk about playoffs, um, which obviously was Jim Mora's last season as the coach of the Colts. They finished six and ten. Uh, what a just an iconic rant to say the least. And yeah, you know, I I feel like you know in in all sports and and certainly in the NFL, we expect just this like linear level of success. You know, everything yeah. just step 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 step, and it's easy. And this was a major roadblock. I mean, you go six and ten. After 13 wins and 10 wins and, you know, Manning reaching the end of that rookie contract. And and if I'm not mistaken, I think Edge gets hurt this year. I thought he got hurt yeah. this year. I could be wrong about that. But, you know, I think that played into some things as well. But still, um, you know, it, it's Reggie Wayne's rookie year. You know, he was drafted as well. 
but I thought very wisely pulling in Ursay, you know, realizing that, okay, a wake-up call needs to happen. And, yes, Jim Mora out, Tony Dungy in, but they kept Tom Mora as the offense coordinator. Tony kept Tom Mora, and, and I thought that was key of keeping Peyton in the same offense. Yes, he threw 23 picks. It wasn't a great season for him, but still believing that this was the right system. Um, this is an offense that we want to make sure Peyton is in throughout the vast majority of his career. I thought that was really wise by uh, by that staff. Yeah, and that's really rare. I mean, you see in today's game, if, if somebody gets fired, sorry, everybody's everybody's gone. And, and most new coaches come in. They want their guy. They want their coaches. Um, so very interesting that Tony kept the same offensive coordinator. And obviously, I think that helped Peyton going into these next couple of years. Um, let's, let's move into 2002, Tony Dungy's first year. Um, still a lot of questions. Um, the Colts start four and four on the season. Ah, so people are worried. People are like, Oh, is this going to be a change? Are we still going to see, you know, the Colts of last year, but then they go on an eight game stretch. They rattle off six wins, including a really big upset of the Eagles. They beat them 35 to 13. Um, and and really kind of get back on the map of, of being a really competitive team, um, some key stats from this year, four game-winning drives, Peyton threw 27 touchdowns, only 19 interceptions. Um, so again, kind of get back on track uh, with Tony Dungy's first year. Yeah, um, you know, Dwight Freeney drafted as well. You know, that, that was a big debate. Still pulling, kind of left it up to Tony Dungy, and I think starting to realize, hey, we got to balance out this roster a little bit. Uh, now, they did just an outstanding job through this era in hitting on early draft picks. You know, I mean, to go – and like I talked about earlier, I mean, you had the foundation a little bit before Manning got here of Tar Glenn and then Marvin Harrison. Um, and that was before Polian, but still, you're able to get Paul, um, Manning and then, of course, Edge, uh, you know, and, and to get Reggie Wayne and Dwight Freeney, which is a bit of a controversial pick, you know, undersized defensive end. The Colts were 6-10, and 10, so they're drafting – decently high that year as well but you know again the elephant in the room is just one of the worst playoff performances you're ever going to see um <laughs> yes. thrashed 41 nothing to the new york jets and this is where i think john we saw a lot of the this is a manning issue not necessarily more of a Colts issue of he was terrible in that game through a couple picks um yeah it's just awful and you get shut out on the road in the playoffs and it's a new head coach. You felt like that was going to be a new jolt. And now, after a year of not making the playoffs, you lay, you know, arguably the biggest egg you can lay uh, come come playoff time. Yeah, the Colts get blown out 41-0 to zero versus the Jets. And I honestly, I think I put this somewhere deep in my memory banks when I was doing research for this. I don't even remember this game. Um, but again, to, to get blown out in the playoffs – the questions arise, but I'll be honest, I, I think throughout Manning's career, he did a great job of, and I think all great players do this, of they let the noise motivate them. You know, it kind of reminds me of like a Michael Jordan. You know, he he listened to the critics. You know, people, you know, these coaches and players that say, oh, I don't pay attention to the media. I don't read the stories. I think that's so untrue. I think these uh, guys so are, I think they're, they're definitely paying attention to the, to the papers and the stories and those things. And, and I think this motivated Manning. I think he really listened to the criticism. 
because he comes back the next year with a vengeance. I mean, he comes for everybody in 2003. It's his first MVP season. Manning goes for 29 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. The Colts begin the season 5-0, and including a 55-21 blowout of the Saints, in which Manning throws a perfect passer rating, six touchdown passes, and gets AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Yeah, when I, when I think of this 2003 season, I have to think about the comeback. Over uh, over Tampa on on Monday night, um, easily the most iconic regular season game. I think of the Manning era. You know, some might argue fourth and two against New England uh, in, in 2009. But the 21 point comeback against the Bucks. You know, Dungey going down there. Uh, you know, his first time back there as well. You know, I think all of that just had to give this team a jolt of confidence because you, know, you had gone 0 three in the playoffs. You know, the, the the need to get a home game in the playoffs as well. You know, obviously you had one in 99, but you went on the road the next couple times that you made the playoffs as well. You needed great regular season success, and the Colts had that with uh, with going 12-4. and four. This game, I'll be honest, I turned off uh, the Monday Night Football <laughs> game. I, I swear, when they yeah, got down, I, I think, I think it I was went to bed too. 21. They were down 21 with four minutes to go. And I'm like... You know, it's Monday night football. It's late. I turn it off. I turn on SportsCenter the next morning, and everything is, you won't believe this comeback, the Colts, <laughs> and all. The, and you see all these highlights of Peyton to Marvin and all this. I couldn't believe it. It is, and I think still to this day, the only time in NFL history that a team has won a game after trailing by 21 points in the final four minutes of a game. Unbelievable. Yeah, just absolutely incredible. I'll, I'll never forget, I had a good friend of mine, Nick Schneider, who was a big Tampa Bay Bucks fan, as shocking as that sounds. But um, he was in my first period study hall class, and I decided the next morning to take out a white T-shirt and write a Sharpie marker on it. Bucks who? Question mark, which I, I guess my seventh grade, eighth grade humor thought that was pretty funny at the time. But yeah, but I did it, and... Uh, you know, Peyton always tells a great story about how he has voicemails or had voicemails from friends that called him was like, hey, sorry about the loss. You know, <laughs> you'll get them next week, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, was listening to them on the way to the Tampa airport uh, before flying back. And he just called them back and was like, yeah, yeah, you might want to catch the highlights uh, when you wake up on Monday morning or I guess Tuesday morning because I think it was a Monday night football. Um, and, and, you know, everything happened. Uh, Brad Pyatt was the kick returner's name, had a huge kick return with, like, again, when you're down 21. And there was some debate about if Peyton was going to go back in there. Um, but when Pyatt had the big kick return and got him, I think, you know, inside the 10 or inside the 20 of Tampa, uh, Dungey's like, all right, might as well try it. And uh, Marvin had an unbelievable grab, and I think Keyshawn Johnson had a big drop. And, yeah, just a historic, historic event that I, I don't think any of us will ever forget. Another another big game this year. The Colts host the nine and two New England Patriots. So again, the the start of this this rivalry. The Colts actually trail thirty one to ten late in the third quarter, before Manning starts to rattle off. He throws three touchdown passes in a span of six minutes to tie the game, and then trailing thirty eight 
to 34 in the final minutes of the game. The Colts have three plays from the one-yard line, and they fail to score. Um, kind of famous play where Edron James gets stopped on fourth down by Willie McGinnis. The Patriots win, and this kind of sets the tone going into the playoffs. Uh, obviously, New England gets um, home field advantage, um, and that kind of leads us in. The Colts have to go visit them um, in Foxborough in the uh, in the AFC Championship game, um, and, and Manning struggles again. Uh, I, I keep coming back and saying this, and it's frustrating, but he does. He he sh- he's shut down by the Patriots again. This was the top defense in the league, uh, and he throws for his lowest passer rating in his career, thirty-five and a half. <laughs> That's pretty bad. I don't know how how you get that bad. He's intercepted four times. Um, Ty Law has three interceptions by himself. He's sacked four times, and the Colts lose twenty-four to fourteen. So again, Manning wins the MVP. But again, we leave the season kind of with those questions. Can this guy get it done? Yeah, it's such an ugly performance. Um, now, to be fair, they did win two playoff games to get there. Yes. So you, you, you were able to clear that first hurdle, first couple of hurdles, because you actually won on the road in round two against Kansas City. Um, you know, this was year two of the new divisions. So the Colts weren't in the AFC East anymore. So now the New England rivalry is really just once a year. And so I think that added to the stakes. Obviously, you talk about the home field, John, of what was at stake when the Colts were playing the Patriots. Willie McGinnis fakes the injury, and, and all Colts fans remember that play very well. But, you know, Peyton was flawless in that wild card round game against Denver, routed the Broncos um, in round one. I think won a shootout, if I'm not mistaken, in Kansas City in round two. I'll never forget that. I was in the interest exam to Cathedral High School on that day and wore an Edron James jersey, which I think was pretty frowned upon. Um, but, yeah, you know, I had to support the Colts. I'm such a big day for the franchise. But, yeah, you know, getting this, this what, second AFC title game in Indianapolis Colts history and, and to lay an egg like that still leaves that sour taste. But I do think it was just so important that now you're six years into Peyton's career and you finally won that playoff game. Yes. You end up winning two. But – um, again, at times we forget that. I mean, think about in today's NFL, if a quarterback goes six years, you know, five years uh, without winning a playoff game, I mean, you think it's scrutinized. Now, Peyton had some unbelievable individual seasons within those five years, but still, um, this was a huge storyline. And I think if it was 15 years later and in today's social media climate, it would be getting even more attention than it did back then. Yeah, and again, I had forgot about those two previous playoff games. You know, you forget how good he could be at his best level, you know, to go in there. And so, you know, it was kind of unfortunate to see him struggle um, in Foxborough. But again, that defense, you know, that was at that era where the the Patriots were so good. You know, Belichick and those guys were so prepared for, for Peyton Manning. And you forget how much the home field advantage matters. You know, okay, would you rather be in the RCA Dome? Or in Foxborough, <laughs> right, you know, my, right. my lasting memory is Peyton walking off the field and it's snowing. He's got his head down and it's just cold. You can see his breath and you just like for a passing offense, how much does that impact, you know, an AFC championship game? So, you know, that that's going to come back to play um, in these later Super Bowl years um, when we talk about that in episode two. But I, I thought that was a key factor too. those those regular season games come back to bite you when you don't have home field advantage. 
Uh, so true, especially with how the Colts are built, like you said. And not only is it Peyton and that offense, but, you know, you want Freeney and Mathis. You know, Mathis drafted in 2003. You want Freeney and Mathis on that turf and pinning their ears back. And, again, we'll, we'll, we can get into it a little bit more in the in our second part of this series. But still, it is kind of pretty funny how they eventually get that home field advantage uh, to go to the Super Bowl. All right, let's move on to 2004. Peyton, his second MVP season. So he goes back-to-back with MVP seasons. He's playing arguably some of his best football. The Colts go 12-4. and um, Some of the good, some of the classic performances. The Colts beat the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving 41-9, to in which Peyton threw six touchdown passes in less than three quarters. Um, I can remember this game. They throwbacks for that yeah. game. So the throwbacks, um, yeah. and, and I can just, Peyton just, and this is a terrible pun, but he carved <laughs> them apart. <laughs> um, well said, that was great. <laughs> and I, I promise I did not have that written down. Um, but again, just a dominant performance. We start to see games like this where you just, it's not, it doesn't surprise you anymore. You're just like, there's Peyton, you know, up six touchdowns, you know, you, oh my gosh, there he goes again. Um, some other big games, uh, he was AFC, AFC offensive player of the week, um, in week 16 against the San Diego chargers. Um, the Colts went 34 to 31. Uh, they trailed by 15 in the fourth quarter. Um, with the Colts, the Colts had the ball fourth and four on their own 26 <laughs> and Peyton waves off the punt team, completes a 19-yard pass to Reggie Wayne, and then they go down, uh, drive down with a 20-yard, 21-yard touchdown to Brandon Stokely, and this was Peyton's 49th touchdown pass of the season, which broke Dan Marino's record of 48. Yeah, that's such a that amount back then was such a big number. Um, yeah, and now that you you know you jog my mind, Thanksgiving this game, yeah, you just take those those fourth quarter performances for granted, and you know, well deserved second MVP award. Um, I think one of these it might have been two thousand three. He was a co MVP with McNair. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is the one that he he should have won unanim- unanimously. Yeah. Um, was it Michael Vick? Is that who got the other vote? Yeah, so th- this is crazy to me because, it, in my opinion, outside of maybe, you know, his year with the Broncos, Tom Brady's, I think, 2007 season with Randy Moss, this, to me, is the greatest season a quarterback's ever had. I mean, Peyton didn't play in a bunch of fourth quarters because they were just blowing teams out. You know, he throws 49 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions, um, and he throws the least amount of passes in in any year of his career. Okay, so he throws less than 500 passes this year <laughs> and still has 49 touchdowns. 10% of his passes went for touchdowns. I, 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 I couldn't believe that. I thought that was a, like a messed up stat. 10% of his completed passes touchdowns it's still an I mean, NFL you so many of these stats I mean like 121 passer rating like your quarterbacks dream of that and that's your average passer rating for the entire year um yeah I mean all of them just 
stand out and are so eye-popping and well-deserved second MVP, to say the least. Yeah, and this was the controversial. He did not get unanimous 50 out of 50 votes. Um, he was 49 out of 50 votes for MVP. Who did not give him the uh, the vote? Mike O'Hara of the Detroit News voted for Michael Vick for MVP. Come on, Mike. Um, and, and I think Mike Michael Vick's stats were like very pedestrian, very average. You know, obviously the Falcons were good. Uh, but how do you not give the guy who breaks the all-time record, you know, 10% of his passes go for touchdowns, one, uh, 121 passer rating. You don't give this guy the MVP. I mean, I, I don't know if that was on purpose or I don't know. Uh, that That's ridiculous. This isn't a Madden video game. Yeah, I'd probably, probably rather play with Michael Vick. But still, I mean, geez, Peyton shattered some of these records and you don't give them all 50, but. Yeah, uh, uh, unfortunately, kind of like the earlier 2099 uh, season, such a great regular season, but um, just a dud of playoff performance. And then we get into the playoffs again. Um, 2004 season ends in Foxborough again for a second straight season uh, with a 20-3 to loss against New England in the divisional round. Uh, Manning, for as good as he played in the regular season, records a season-low pass rating of 69.3. It was Manning's seventh consecutive loss to the Patriots in Foxborough, uh, and the Colts' three points were the lowest single game uh, since the opening game of the 2003 season. So not a very good performance um, for Peyton uh, in Foxborough. And again, I, I think the Colts franchise start to realize like, we got to get home field advantage. We can't keep going to Foxborough in late in the season in the playoffs. You know, that's not going to be conducive for victories. So, um, you know, what's your memories of kind of these two MVP seasons and, you know, this, this run uh, into Foxborough and, and playing the Patriots? Yeah, yeah, I'd say the home field importance stands out to me. Uh, having to go, like you said, on the road again to Foxborough, not great weather. Um, and now you kind of – the playoff chatter builds again of can't get over the hump. Uh, yes, one another playoff game because they beat Denver again in the opening round of that playoff. But still, having to play on wild card weekend, having to go on the road in the divisional round, um, I think there was some, some doubt that crept in. Now, you did draft Bob Sanders in 2004, which banged up rookie season. But, uh, again, steps are starting to be taken of like, all right, a couple more defensive pieces that you get in there. Can you be more more balanced when they do make the Super Bowl run? It is a very balanced performance. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously you're you're looking back on it during the time. You're steaming. As a Colts fan, you're like, man, you know (laughs) – same old, same old every year until January rolls around, and then it's still the same old, same old, such a negative way. Yeah, but a silver lining, I think the Colts, um, you know, as a franchise, they start to realize like we got to build the whole team. We got to be be, uh, be a complete team. You know, Peyton, as good as he's been, he's not going to go. You know, win it single-handedly. We got to build around him. We got to build a defense. We got to be a complete team. And like you said, you got Bob Sanders, Dwight Freeney. You start to build this defense that's that's built to win in the playoffs. Um, and that leads us into 2005, which I I might argue is the best Peyton team. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think 2005 was the best Colts team? 
it's certainly either that or 2007, I think, in my mind, and especially if you talk to former players. I know a lot, a lot of them will point to 2005 because he had Edge. You know, it, it was Edgerin's final year. Um, Bob Sanders was healthy for the vast majority of the regular season, played at a really high level as well. And I think they, they, they started, you know, didn't they start 13-0 and 0 this year? 13-0 and 0 start. I mean, that's just, it just absurd to start that that well. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, if you talk to former players from that era, I think it comes down to 05 or 07. 05 maybe more talented, 07 maybe the better team, like overall, but still. Um, you know, you were able to get over the hurdle of beating the Patriots in the in the regular season, had home field, just everything seemed to line up. Super Bowl in the Midwest, also in a dome in Detroit. I just, yeah, I mean, everything seemed to, um, you know, be kind of set in stone for the Colts to make a finally make that deep playoff run. Absolutely, especially you see in the regular season, the Colts go and they they beat New England. Uh, it's the first time that Manning's, you know, gone on the road. They beat the Patriots in Foxborough, forty to twenty-one. Just an absolute rout. And you start to think, is this our year? Is this the is this the time where you know Manning and the Colts get it done? And then we're going to get into some stories here. <laughs> um, I I think they could do a thirty for thirty on this game alone. All the things that went into it, but you got the. Playoff home game, the Pittsburgh Steelers come and visit the RCA Dome for the AFC Divisional Round. Um, what's your memories of this game uh, playing against the Steelers? Well, I mean, first, uh, obviously getting home field was huge, and the Colts had that. And so Pittsburgh, you know, plays on Wild Card Weekend. Big Ben is really young. Um what second season I think it was maybe third season for him, mm-hmm. and so um, so yeah, it, it's something that you absolutely felt like like I was saying earlier just lined up for you. But certainly the biggest takeaway was Manning wasn't great by any means. Um, I remember the Palomalu interception, the controversial call there, and then the most iconic is the Nick Harper fumble return and. Boy, uh, Roethlisberger making the tackle, and Harper just gets stabbed by his wife the night before in the knee, which is, again, just an outrageous comment when you say it out loud. Um, like, how, how, why, how, all of that. I feel like I'm Tanya Harding yelling why, um, or whatever her name is, not Harding, Nancy Kerrigan yelling why, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, you couldn't script the performance, or you couldn't, you know, Hollywood would have laughed at that script, and then Vanderjack, who was so accurate all year long, um, just shanks it like none other, and boy, just having to simmer for that for the entire off season. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, ends it, up fueling you like none other, but still. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, the years the Boston Red Sox were really good, and you, they just couldn't get over the hump, and you start to you start to kind of see ghosts, and you start to go, "Are we cursed? Uh, do we have something that's just not going to let us win?" <laughs> you right, know, the guy right. the guy that picks up the fumble because you know people forget the the Steelers were basically like trying to run out the clock. They had the ball, yeah. I, I want to say, on like the one or two yard line, 
with Jerome Bettis. You know, they're just going to run it in. It's going to be the end of the game. And he gets hit, and he fumbles the ball. And the ball's bouncing around. Nick Harper picks it up. Who you think, you know, pretty fast player, DB. He's, he's gonna, a corner. Corner. He's, he's going to take this to the house. I mean, there's no way. But he got stabbed in his leg by his wife the day before. Like, what, what universe is this? Like, first of all, how did he play? You know, like, how was he still okay to play? Yeah. Two, exactly. you know, what effect does that have on, you know, that's just a question that Colts fans will always have is like, does he take that to the house if his wife doesn't stab him in the knee? Um, and he also took an awful angle. Yeah, oh, yeah. He could have, yeah, he could have gone up. I think he could have gone up the sideline instead of cutting it back. And Roethlisberger's like stumbling backwards and just kind of stand, you know, reaches out and whatnot. And yeah, I, I, I can only imagine the emotions in the RCA dome when all that's going down. And I can remember vividly just how many Steeler fans were in the, in the dome that game. Um, you know, they obviously travel well, but it, it just. I'm not trying to harp on Steeler fans, but there's no one you there's no one you want in your stadium to lose to uh, less than the Steelers fans. They're gonna let you hear it. You know, you're gonna see all the towels and all the stuff. So not a good not a good loss. Um, and then the Vanderjack. Oh my gosh, the Vanderjack missed field goal. Um, up to that point, I think you said a stat maybe in a previous episode where he was he the most accurate kicker ever, something like that. Yeah, I think he's the most accurate kicker in NFL history um, coming into that kick. Yeah, I mean, from a regular season standpoint, I mean, that's, again, we, we forget how good he was and just how reliable he was. Because, like, NFL kicking at that point wasn't at the level that it is, I think, today. Um, but, yeah, I'm almost positive he's the most accurate NFL kicker um, up, up to that point. And and just not even close. And I I can remember oh. Peyton's face. They kind of zoom in, you know, on his face, and he's just like he missed it. He missed it, and he's you know he could just see the disappointment. Um, you know, not that Peyton, you know, he didn't play terrible. He was twenty two of thirty eight for almost three hundred yards. Um, and you know, like you said, you think this is a year where the Colts are lined up. It's perfect for the Colts to win the Super Bowl. They're incredible. You know, built for these long runs, and you lose to the uh, to the Steelers at home. Um, so, again, that, that's going to be the last year we talk about in Season 1. Um, you know, obviously a lot of good, um, some playoff struggles, but for the most part, you know, for this first seven, I don't know how many years did we cover, six or seven years, you know, Peyton is just unbelievable. He, his stats, again, I didn't want to go into this podcast and just read off a bunch of stats because we could do that forever. I mean, Peyton's career uh, and his stats are unbelievable. But there's going to be a theme. You know, the second episode, there's going to be a lot more positives. There's going to be, you know, some Super Bowl runs and some some more emotional things. Uh, so, again, uh, what do you think about this first part of Manning's career? Yeah, I mean, like you said, John, just some – incredible incredible individual seasons and stuff that shouldn't be taken for granted and and unbelievable talent around him but um there were some tough moments from uh just the 41 nothing lost the jets you know getting over the new england hurdle obviously you're going to reach a breaking point here with edger and james you know financially having to start to pay some guys a little bit more 
you you go from Jim Moore to Tony Dungy and all that. It it wasn't all gravy. I mean, it was so good in in many, many ways, but still to finally get over that hurdle, um, you had to make some sacrifices in other spots. And that's what we'll talk about in the next episode. Yes. So again, uh, Join us for episode two. Uh, we'll try to drop it here in, I don't know, a week or two, you know, depending on uh, Kevin's schedule. Listen, I'm going to I'm gonna stand up for my man. All right, let's get him his own show, okay? <laughs> He's tired of doing podcasts with me. He wants his own show. All right, so let's give this guy an opportunity. He's unbelievable. If you haven't listened to him, he's on 1070 The Fan all the time. Great Colts coverage, great Pacers coverage. Again, I'm going to advocate for you till my grave. Give this guy a show. He's ready. Go listen to him on 1070 The Fan. Um, and join us next God. time. Uh, sorry, I'll you let you close it out. you after that, man. I am not paid. You have to I'm, Venmo you after that. I'm not a paid sponsor. <laughs> That's my real honest-to-God take. Um, you know, I'll fight for my guy. I think you're awesome, and I'm not blowing smoke. Give this guy his own show. He's ready. Um, 1070 the fan. I'll call you out every day until the end of the, maybe the end of the year. We'll see. Um, but again, thanks for joining us. Tune in next time. Episode two, we will cover years 2006 through the years where he, or the year he was released. Um, so some better, but more emotional times. And again, we hope you enjoyed Indiana legends and we will see you next time. Signing off, Kevin. See you, man. Thank you. Uh, playoffs. I'm talking about Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hey! Hey! I, hey! We call the f- plays, all right? You gotta run the ball. 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 Run the 